Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. God's character being formed in us then creates godly conduct coming out of us, and that pleases God. Christ has to be fleshed out in us so that the flesh doesn't come out of us. Have you ever been in a situation where someone said something or did something unkind toward you? I guess most of us have had that experience. Do you remember how you reacted in that situation? Did you react in a natural way based on your hurt, based on your anger, based on your flesh? Or did you act in a spiritual way? Which way do you think pleases God? Godly character and conduct pleases God. It's what, it's what God desires to see in our lives. It's what we need in our lives. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our series, Building on the Basics, we've spent the last two weeks looking at the area of submission. As we make our way through the book of 1 Peter, Pastor Clay walked us through a biblical understanding of three specific areas, submission to government, submission to an employer, and submission of a wife to her husband. As we look deeper into 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to find Peter showing followers of Jesus how we are to interact with all people in general, even those who mistreat us. If somebody insults me, I want to insult him or her back better than they insulted me. I can't do that. I can't do that. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. As Pastor Clay will explain today, when we allow godly characteristics to be built into us by the Holy Spirit, then what comes out of us, our conduct, is not based on our flesh, but what God desires to see in us. As always, thanks for joining us. We pray this message is helpful to discover how to look past what others do to us and to look to what God wants our reaction to be. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Peter chapter 3, uh, we, we got some uh, interesting stuff to cover here. We'll see how far uh, we get with it. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. We're continuing in our series. What of our series? All right. Y'all had me scared there for a second. There's a little hesitation. We've been in here for several months now. Building on the basics. Book of James, we looked at the basic of? Uh, both in First Peter, which is where we are now, and we'll be in Second Peter. We're building on the basics. Hope. That's right. Continuing this idea. And as I said throughout this, you'll find when we're in James, when we're in Peter, when we're in John, when we're in Jude. You'll find, you'll find overlap. You'll find concepts uh, shared between them. But as a general rule, you'll find a theme kind of coming out uh, in each particular writer. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. Thank you so much for honoring the Lord God by being in his house today. You do, by the way, you do realize this is the house of God. Because the people of God are gathered here to worship Him. That's what makes it. It doesn't matter if it's an auditorium or a gymnasium or a church with a steeple on top. That's not what makes it the house of God. You, as followers of Jesus Christ, make this the house of God gathered here today. First Peter chapter uh, 3, starting in verse 8. Here we go. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. Called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love and 
see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to their harm, there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you? If you prove zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer. Watch this. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness. We're doing good. You are blessed. Doesn't feel blessed. (laughs) Does it? And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. But. Or instead. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, for it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Hey, let's pray together today. God, thanks so much again for the of, of being here uh, corporately. And then, personally, uh, can I just say thanks so much for the privilege of being your messenger boy today to get to open your word and present to your people a truth that can absolutely impact their life. Uh, one of the great things about it, the, uh, the body of Christ uh, and here at Cross Culture is that there, there are all kinds of people in all different stages of their walk with you. Some that are fairly new believers. Some that have walked with you for a few years. Some that have walked with you for many years. But all of us who are still here while we're still breathing, we're still to be walking with you. We're still growing in this, in this thing called the follower of Jesus Christ. So as Peter uh, goes into something that's really vitally important, for us to understand today as far as our overall submission to you. Uh, may you speak clearly, uh, Father God, through me. Uh, may you uh, bring to my mind the things you'd have me say and just block out those things that you don't want me to say. May people's hearts and minds and ears be open to the truth of your word, whether they're sitting in this room right now or they'll watch or listen to this message uh, later in the week or six months from now or whatever the case may be. Uh, thank you for the truth that your word does not does not return void. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, uh, let's start with, uh, with one of the ideas this morning we want to talk about. It is this, Christ-like character and conduct pleases God. That's where Peter's going with this. As I said a moment ago, uh, we spent the last couple of weeks looking at, at the idea of submission. And Peter starts this week, where we are this week, and he he opens with this phrase, to sum up. Uh, Some translations have finally. So it sounds as if Peter maybe is kind of drawing this this letter uh, to a close, but he's not finished yet. He's not quite done with what he has to say. But what he does want to do is kind of summarize those thoughts that he has been bringing to us for the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks, specifically or particularly, he's talked about submission in the area of government. What does that mean for us and, and what's our responsibility as followers of Jesus? Having, having a, a life in a kingdom that's not of this world, uh, how are we to submit to government authorities? 
And then he, he, ta- he moved into the area, uh, for, for us, would be the equivalent of employer-employee relationships. What is my responsibility? I, I belong to Christ. I, I'm, I'm his, uh, but, but I, I work for this man or this person or this corporation. Or this, what's my expectations? What are God's expectations on me for how I place myself under them and what do I do? And then last week, particularly or specifically, the area of a wife's understanding biblically, I keep bringing that up, biblically of what it means to place herself under her husband's uh, headship or leadership and then her husband's response to that, what is, what is his responsibility for how he treats, how he cherishes, how he protects, how he uh, treats her as this co-heir, joint heir with him uh, and understands who she is and, and how God has created her to be. Those are the, the specifics of submission. Now, although, as I said a second ago, or I think I said, he doesn't particularly use the word submission, but he's moving toward that idea that there's, that there's, a, there's a bigger general idea. There's a bigger general idea of submission, and it is all of our submission to God and what he wants and what he expects for our lives. Yes, particularly government. Yes, particularly employer. Yes, specifically uh, the marriage situation. But, but in general, there are some expectations on God's part for us who claim the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? And, and Peter basically is bringing out the idea that, that godly character and conduct pleases God. It's what, it's what God desires to see in our lives. It's what we need in our lives. And so, in, in verse 8, he's summing it up, uh, and he lists, and in, in verse 8, he lists these characteristics, if you will, that should be evident in our lives. And so, verse 8 looks like this. He says, harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Five uh, areas that he lists right there. Now, because I am your pastor and because I am responsible for the spiritual uh, nurturing uh, to a large degree, what, I'm, what I teach you and that sort of thing, I want you to know that I have painstakingly researched each one of these words, leaving no stone unturned so that I might get to the true meaning of each and every one of those words. Some of y'all know me already too good, don't you? So, so that, so that every, everybody in here is on the same page of what God's expectations are for our life. Are you ready for them? This is, this is deep. Stay with me. Here we go. Harmonious. We ought to get along. Sympathetic. We ought to care. Brotherly. We ought to love. Kind-hearted. We ought to be nice. And... Humble spirit, we ought to think of others first. It's pretty obvious that the words mean exactly what you'd expect the words to mean. That Peter means exactly what Peter says he means. That this are the, these are the characteristics. This ought to be that, that followers of Jesus Christ ought to be able to get along with people. We ought to be able to care about people. We ought to love people. We ought to be nice to people. And we ought to think of others before we think of ourselves. Uh, forget about specifics that we talked about last two weeks just in general that's how we ought to treat people that's who we ought to be that's how we how we should conduct ourselves those are the characteristics that should come out of our lives and then watch what he does now he he begins to then show uh by example how those characteristics 
would then be manifested, that's a big word, uh, would be displayed in our lives, okay? In verses uh, 9 through 11, and watch what he says. He says, do not, and, this, and if you think about it, think about those five characteristics, you can see them showing up in what he says here. He says, do not do wrong to repay a wrong. Do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing, because you yourselves were called to do this, to do this so that you might receive a blessing. The scripture says a person must do these things to enjoy life and have many happy days. He must not say evil things. He must not uh, tell lies. He must stop doing evil and do good. He must look for peace and work for it. Hopefully, in verses 9 through 11, you can begin to see why those characteristics that he listed in verse 8 become so vitally important for our lives. Because confession time, at least for me, if godly characteristics are not formed in me and coming out of me, you know what's coming out of me? Flesh, baby. The flesh. Can I get an amen? Do you all understand what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? If somebody insults me... Not that I would ever give them any ammunition to be able to insult me. If somebody insults me, I want to insult him or her back better than they insulted me. If somebody does wrong to me, man, in, in my flesh, I want to do wrong to them. I want to, I want to even the score. Is, is that just me or none of y'all? Man, wow, wow. If somebody, if somebody speaks ill of me, if, 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 the, if the gossip train... By the way, you do know this happens, right? You do know a, after 20 plus years of ministry, I can tell you this. The gossip train eventually gets back around to the person that you're gossiping about. It, they, they find out about it. If someone's gossiping about you or you hear some stuff about you, and man, it, it cuts you, it hurts you. And in my flesh, what do I want to do? Right? And watch. I can't do that. I can't do that. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a different expectation for you and me. There's a, there's a, there's a different uh, accountability for us as followers of Jesus Christ. You are held to a higher standard. And you may say, well, I, I don't like that. Sorry, you can take it up with God, but I'm pretty sure you're going to lose that one. There's just different expectations for us. We're to respond in a different way so that the character that comes out of us is different. By the way, I should also point out that uh, Peter is quoting directly from Psalm 34, uh, I think verses 12 through uh, 15. In verses 11, uh, verses 10 through 12 there. He's quoting specifically from Psalm uh, 34. And I point out, and I say to you, when you get a chance, go back and read uh, Psalm 34. Read the entire thing. When you get a chance, go back and read Psalm 34 so that you have a good understanding of what it means when Peter says, uh, so, that they might, so that you might enjoy good days or uh, happy days, depending on the translation that you use. Do you all remember seeing that in verse 10? That you might enjoy good days. Now, I, I challenge you to go back and read that because... What we may find there is that God's idea of good days may be different from our ideas of good days, right? Because what's our idea of good days? 72 constant degrees, perfectly blue skies, 
every traffic light stays green on your way into work. After you get there, your boss comes up to you and tells you what a fabulous job you have been doing, gives you a raise without you having to ask for it, and a gift certificate to Angus Barn. The IRS just sent you a big fat check because they said you paid way too much money this year. Gas is under a dollar a gallon, and cookout is giving away free milkshakes. Now, that's a good day. That's a good day. But you go back to Psalm 34, and you know what you'll find the psalmist talking about? Where, where, where Peter's quoting from this idea of good days? You'll find uh, in verse 4, uh, mentioning the idea of fears. Uh, he mentions the idea of troubles in verses 6 and verses 17 of, of Psalm 34. In verse 18, he talks about a broken heart. And in verse 19, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteousness. Well, that doesn't sound a good day at all. What's he saying? He's saying that you and I, as, as believers in the one true God, in, in, in our New Testament context, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not, our days are not held captive by our circumstances. That's what he's saying. So that, so that whether you're uh, abused, whether you're talked about, whether you're made fun of, whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, it still can be a good day because you know that you have the power and the presence and the peace of God in your life despite whatever problems might be, whatever circumstances might be, whatever trials might be. When you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, then, then, then it's a good day so that you don't have to do what others do. You don't have to respond the same way. God's character, here's what happened, God's character being formed in us then creates godly conduct coming out of us and that pleases God because without it, it's the flesh. I think I said a little, had a little ditty like that, didn't I, Tyler? Maybe Christ has to be fleshed out in us so that the flesh doesn't come out of us. Can I get a, yeah, that's right. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right? Because, I, oh man, I, I can get in the flesh in a New York minute when uh, Peter talks about um, this idea that when people do wrong to you, when people uh, do, that, that you choose to do a different path, you choose to go in a different way because of this character that's been formed in you. So that uh, this, this, and he specifically makes reference to the, to the tongue, to stop that we can refrain. If you'll bring it back up, uh, Tyler. He says you can refrain, uh, and it literally means to make stop. In other words, I, I don't, and listen, now think about this in the context of a marriage argument. Not that any of those would ever go on here, but think of that in the context of a marriage argument, or a situation at school, or in the workplace. Do you know that there are times, depending on the situation, on each of us individually, uh, maybe a lot of times when we just need to make stop our mouth. We just need to make stop. And our reaction is, yeah, but, but, but you don't know what they said or you don't know what they did. Or, or if, I, if I don't say something, then they're going to think they can do that every time. And, and we, just, we just have to decide whether, whether we're going to honor God, whether we're going to please Him, or whether, this is, whether we're going to, about some sort of gratification of my flesh. Man, I told them off. I gave them what they needed. And it's tough. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying that when character is formed in you, conduct comes out of you that is pleasing to God. That's what he desires for our lives. And then he says, uh, bring back up these, these he says in Psalm 141, it says, set a guard 
uh, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's, that's not a bad prayer to pray at times. And the reason why uh, is, uh, I think, verse uh, 12, that he brings up where, he, where he's, he's, he's quoting this, and he says, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, can I just remind you, God knows. If you're trying to do the right thing, God knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what people are saying or doing or acting or being wrong. He knows all of that stuff. And I have discovered in my life, you know, it's amazing that if I'll stay out of it, God is perfectly capable of taking care of it. I found that to be true. The point is, character, Christ-like character, changes our conduct. This is so important. I know I've got to go on, but this is so important because what I find in people's lives is that people try to change their conduct. I need to get rid of this anger in my life. I, I need to be more patient. Or I'm struggling with this habit. Or I have that addiction. Or I need this. And people try to change. You know, maybe with, with all the good motivations and, or desires in the world, I need to change my conduct. Listen to me. What happens? I'm just telling you my personal experience. When people try to change their conduct, nine times out of ten, they end up right back where they were or worse. It's not about you changing your conduct. It's about God changing your character. And when God changes your character, guess what happens to your conduct? It gets changed. I don't know where that came from. It's, it's changed. It gets changed. Not because I'm, oh, I'm, I'm being more patient. Or look at me. I, I told my wife I loved her six times today. Um, or, you know, no, as this character is produced in us, it then produces the conduct in us that is pleasing to God. Okay, we've got to go on real quick. Try to get the second one as far as I can get with it, and we'll close it out. Christ-like courage and conversation promotes God. Character and conduct pleases Him. Courage and conversation promotes Him to the world around us. Uh, Real quickly, verse 13. Uh, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Who's going to harm you if you're doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not uh, be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. There's that Christ-like character coming out. Keeping a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Uh, you probably can figure this out. But verse 13, um, Peter's not saying that if you always do the right thing, if you always do good, you'll never have anybody abuse you. He, he, he says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? He, he's not saying that you'll never experience bad if you're always doing good. You, you might say that verse 13 is what we might call hyperbole. We, we do it all the time. Everybody does it. For instance, if I said, um, if I run into somebody and I said, man, I haven't seen you in forever. Well, I ever, or I never would have seen him the first time. But what I mean is, it's, it's been too long since I've seen you. And that's essentially what Peter's doing. He's not saying that you'll never, he's just saying, <laughs> listen, as, if you do what is right, if you do what is good, people are generally not going to 
not going to bring bad against you. If you do what is right, people will appreciate that and people will respond to that. And if you do what is right, then as a general rule, you're not going to be picked on or, or anything else for, uh, for doing that. But he says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. Peter, now hang with me real quick here. Peter is quoting the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. Here's the, here's the, here's the setting. Stay with me. Peter jumps uh, uh, to, to Isaiah to bring out something he's going to say to us. Um, this is at a time, Isaiah the prophet lived at a time when the nation of Israel was divided into, some of you are aware of that, but there came a point where there's kind of a civil war. The nation was uh, divided into two after the death of Solomon. And um, so you've got the ten, uh, ten, what are called the ten northern tribes, kept the name Israel, and the two southern tribes took the name of the strongest of those two tribes, Judah. So Israel, for a period of time, became Israel and Judah. Got it? Okay, so Assyria is coming down into that part of the world. And Assyria is are bad news. They are wicked. They are evil. They are vile. They are, and they're taking over everything. So Assyria's coming down. So the king of Israel and the king of Syria, not Assyria, the king of Syria, come together, make an alliance, and go down to uh, Ahaz, the king of... You with me? These two get together, go down to see, see Ahaz, king of Judah, and they say, hey, join with us. So that three of us, because Assyria is big, they're bad, and there's no way we can stand on our own. If we join forces, the three of us, we can take on Assyria and we'll be okay. Ahaz refuses to do it. And he refuses to do it, interestingly enough, essentially because he doesn't think it's what God wants them uh, to do. So, he won't do it. So, Syria and Israel, those two kings, get together and they say, well, we're not putting up with, with Judah's not helping us. So they go back to him and say, listen, if you don't join forces with us, we're going to take over you before Syria even gets here. We're going to conquer you. Got the picture? So what does Ahaz do? Rather than fall on his face and pray to the living God and trust and take courage in, in God and his ability to do stuff, Ahaz goes running off to Assyria. And he meets with the Assyrians. And he makes a secret pact, a secret contract with them I'm going to let you take over the country and stuff, but treat us good. But, but join force, I'm joining forces with you because Syria and Israel have come against me. Got the picture? And God says to Isaiah, and I'm paraphrasing, but God says to Isaiah, you go down and tell that boy that he better not be making alliances with heathen nations. You better go tell him that he better trust in me because I'm the one that put him where he is and I'm the one that can take him out. That he'd better put his trust in me. You see, what Ahaz was doing was not only a bad move because Assyria was going to abuse them and murder them and do all kinds of wicked things to them. Not only that, but Ahaz was, was throwing the most arrogant insult in the face of the living God. Because he was saying, I, I need to trust in in, in the flesh. I need to f- trust in the size of this army. I need to trust in, in how many horsemen they have or how many spears they have. What an insult to the living God who they supposedly, Judah supposedly followed. Do you see? So it's in that context that Peter then says that that's where do not fear their intimidation, do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. 
In other words, here's what, he has, here's what he's saying to us. Here's what he's saying to the people of that day. To sanctify means, somebody know what that means? To sanctify? To set apart. That's right. So he says, you know what? Hey, folks, here's what it is. You just got to settle this thing. You have to set apart. If Christ is Lord, make him Lord. If he's who you believe in, then, then show that he's who you believe in. Take your strength, take your courage, take your faith from him. And not the money in your bank account, not the, the, the security of, the, of your job, not the, the size of your family, not any of those things. You'd better sanctify Christ in your heart. That's where your courage has to come from. And not from what you can muster here in this world. So then when we do that and we take courage in him. So then down, I think latter part of verse uh, 15. Then we're ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. Then we can respond without fear. But with courage saying, hey, my God's got this. My God's big enough for this. Some of you may remember... um, back in February of this year, where uh, 21 uh, Egyptian uh, Christians were murdered by uh, ISIS. Now, they've, they've murdered thousands of Christians. Uh, but I, I point these, this particular one out because th- there was a video made of it. They murdered them down on a, uh, a beach. Uh, I forget exactly where it was. They went, I think it was in Libya, Libyan beach. Along the beach there, they, they murdered 21 of them. And in the video, obviously you can see the, what I consider the cowardly acts of, of, the, of the murderers and what they did as they wore their masks and did, did this to people with hands tied behind their back and that sort of thing. But what you can also see, and it was, as it was confirmed, that every one of those 21 individuals, Christians who were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ, were, as they were being killed, were citing, reciting the Lord's Prayer and shouting out, Yah Yeshua! Yah Yeshua! Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! We know that the people Peter wrote to directly, many of them were going to be persecuted, many of them were going to be arrested, many of them were going to throw in prison, some of them were going to be fed to lions. And that's, that's, that, that's not a, a, you know, an analogy for they were going to face hard times. They were literally going to be fed to lions. And if you, can, if you can find courage, if you can set apart Christ in your heart and you've decided, God is my king. He's the one I'm going with. I'm following him. I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care. He's, he's, he's the one I'm going with. If you can muster courage for that, I guarantee you people will sit up and take note and say, where do you find that kind of hope? How can you face that kind of situation and find hope in your heart? How can you take that kind of, a, of, of mistreatment or, or things being said about you or whatever and respond and and kindness, and humility, and love, and how do you do that kind of stuff? You do it because you take courage from who Christ is, and the fact that God has this covered for your life, and that then allows you to have the conversation. Listen, not every conversation that we have with someone, not all of it has to be an apologetic discourse. We don't have to necessarily lay out evidences for the existence of God, or the validity uh, of the resurrection, or the accuracy of Scripture. All those things are good and important, and we should be ready to do that. But sometimes an answer can just be, Yah Yeshua, in the midst of whatever's going on. Sometimes an answer can just be, I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus Christ has changed my life. He's brought peace and contentment and meaning and purpose and power into my life. And I've trusted him this far and I can trust him with the rest of my life. That's an answer. That's being ready. 
to give an answer. Courage found in Christ enables us to have the conversations with people that, that display, that show the world that our God is real. It's not just somebody we talk about. No, we actually act on what he says. I don't know about you, but I can identify with what Pastor Clay had to say today about reacting in the flesh when others hurt me. It's so natural to want to strike back, to get the last word in, or whatever. But the Apostle Peter reminds us, as followers of Jesus, our reaction can and should be different. God's characteristics in me produce conduct from me that is pleasing to God. And pleasing God should be the goal of all of our lives if we claim Jesus Christ as our Savior. But Peter also showed us that we also find courage from God's power in us, which enables us to talk to others about Jesus. Remember, God desires to reach people through us. We can overcome our fears and speak boldly about the difference Jesus Christ makes. We should, as Peter puts it, be ready to give every man an answer to the hope that is in us. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.